Welcome to the Pastor's Cut. This week, we are joined by a member of our teaching team at our Norwood Park location, Steve Ferry. Steve has an MA in spiritual formation and discipleship, but his day job is actually serving as our IT director at Park. And we get to talk with him about Romans 7, verses 7 to 25, natural disasters and running with scissors. We also thought that for our 30th episode, we will welcome an additional co-host to help us dive deeper into this passage, Maddie Harrington. Let's get started. I'm Hillary Murphy. I'm Trevor Lovell. And I'm Maddie Harrington. And this is A Pastor's Cut with Steve Ferry. Hey, Steve. Welcome. Thanks for joining us on our 30th episode ever. Thanks for having me. If you could immediately be good at one thing, what would that be? Oh, man. That is a really, that's a really good question. So... This is this would require quite a career change for me, but I love <laughs> diagnosing stuff. I love hearing what someone's having a problem with. If it's something in their life, it's you know I don't know device they have, or if it's you know just really anything. And so I would I would love to be good at medicine because then I could do that you know with like oh I've got a sore throat and I could be like okay here are like the four causes it could be. So yeah, but again that would take a quite a career change and I don't think I can do that on a whim so right but if it, if it was immediate you could skip all the med school years so that would be it amazing. would still work out save me a lot of money <laughs> awesome so you preached at Norwood Park this past weekend? I did. Could you give us a quick recap of your sermon? Yeah, yeah. So um, basically what I talked about as we're going through this passage on Romans 7 and sin and the law, um, what I talked about was that we all have this observation, right, that we want to do certain good things, but we just end up not doing them. We want to make good relational decisions, good financial decisions. You know, we we want to have healthy, meaningful lives, but we oftentimes don't make the decisions that bring about those outcomes. And so we talked about why that is. And one of the things that we discussed is that we all have a sin nature. We all have a natural tendency to choose wrong things over right things and good and bad things over good things. Um, and so we talked about where that comes from, how... Uh, if you believe the Bible story, um, which I, I certainly do, uh, you have these people named Adam and Eve, and they choose to do life their way instead of God's way. And when they did that, they broke their relationship with God, but they also broke, essentially, the term that I use is that they broke the network, which which means that they broke their relationship with God, but also our relationship with God. And so all of us have this innate tendency to choose wrong things over right things. And so that's why we end up on our own, not making the choices that we know we ultimately want to make. Um, and what we learned is that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of anyone who's decided to follow Jesus can cause us, even in the midst of our sin nature, to choose those right things. That if we'll listen to the Spirit, if we'll lean on the Spirit, if we'll rely on the Spirit, we'll find that even though we're naturally drawn towards this bad thing, we can still choose to do the good thing that we know deep down we ultimately want to do. Hmm. How would you say that someone could practically lean into the Holy Spirit. I think it's something that is often talked about in Christian circles and um, believers kind of throw that terminology around. But what are some practical ways that maybe you personally incorporate into your life or maybe your small group holds you accountable to or your family or what does that look like in day to day for you? Yeah, yeah, that's a really that's a really good question. Um, one of the things that I find is that I rarely make good decisions on my own. Now, granted, I mean, there are certain simple decisions like, okay, should I go to work today or should I, you know, some, some, some basic stuff that I don't really need to, you know, text anybody and ask, Hey, what do you think about this? But when it comes to stuff, that's kind of like been bugging me for a while of, Oh, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't really know if I want to. And yet I feel like I'm 
drawn to it, even though I know it's probably not what's best for me. The, the thing that helps me the most is to get that out in the open, to get some other perspectives on it and not just perspectives from anyone, but perspectives from people who I want to be like, where I look at that person's life and I'm going, you know what, that person, it, not that they have it all together, but that person seems like, like they've got their priorities right. They seem like they make the kind of decisions that I want to be able to make. And so I'll just ask them, Hey, here's the situation that I'm dealing with, or here are some thoughts that I've been having. What, what do you think I should do here? What do you think this would, this would look like for me? Where do you think this decision would lead? And I just get advice from them. And then obviously there's other places, right? We have our Bible that can, you know, certainly teach us so much about God and how we're, how we can relate to him. There's going to church and, you know, listening to what's taught there and engaging in worship and even, you know, podcasts and stuff. But I really think that it's helpful to, you know, to relate to and to connect with people that you want to be like people who you think can help you make a good decision. Cause again, we're naturally drawn towards making bad decisions on our own. And so we have to have those voices who can help us not just think about what's immediate, but really what's most important. Mm, that's uh-huh. good. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, if anything, got cut from your sermon this week? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's another good question. Um, so this this passage, uh, the passage that I was assigned was Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 25, which deals with so many things. Uh, Paul asks, you know, is the law sinful? Is the law bad? You know, all these things that God have t- has told us to do, you know, are they are they bad? Because they can, you know, we, we see them and we, we do the opposite. Um, and Paul obviously goes into talking about how that's certainly not the case, that if any Anything, seeing these things and seeing that once we know what these laws are, once we know what we're supposed to do, we find ourselves naturally, you know, drawn away from it anyway. Um, that that doesn't mean that these things are bad. It means that we are bad. And so, yeah, we didn't quite really get to get into why that is. Why it is that as soon as you see a sign that says "Don't touch," you're like. I wonder what will happen if I do, right? Um, why? Why is it that you know if you're sitting at a red light, this thought goes through your head of like. I don't see anyone around. I bet I could, you know, I bet I could make it through. Why is it that we, um, yeah, we're just naturally drawn towards doing things that we know we're not supposed to do once we find out we're not supposed to do them. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. If I I can just tell a quick, you know, story to show my own, you know, malevolent heart. Um, You know, I I talked in the in the message about um, how, you know, you oftentimes do things because you don't know that they're wrong. But then once you find out they're wrong, you want to keep doing them. When I was, I think, seven I got in trouble for like running at school with scissors and I was told you know you can't you can't do that because because it's dangerous and and like later that night I got I got home and when no one was looking I took a pair of scissors and I ran through the kitchen just because I could I was like that's where where my mind naturally goes yeah that's That's funny yeah it reminds me of being at like a national park somewhere and uh you know like at Yellowstone they've got the the boiling things of really hot water that yeah. And yep. th- there's all these fences like you can't go past this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, and there's just I just want to go a little bit past. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yet, if the fence wasn't there, you probably wouldn't, you know, want yeah. to do it anyway. But it's just interesting mm-hmm. what that reveals about us, right? Mm-hmm. That we we know we're not supposed to do something, and somehow that ends up making us want to do it even more. That doesn't mean that the sign is bad. Doesn't mean that the warning is bad. It's there for your good. And mm-hmm. yet, what do you find yourself, you know, drawn to do? Yeah. Why do you think that is? 
Well, I think I think it comes back to our to our sin nature that you know we have this innate desire to do to do the wrong thing. Um, now that doesn't mean that we have to listen to it or that we have to give into it, but we have this this broken tendency which doesn't go away even when we decide to become a follower of Jesus. Um, I've talked to so many folks who've who've asked me basically. How come, even though now I'm on this side of, you know, my decision to follow Jesus, why am I still drawn to these things? I, I, I don't know why this is, right? I don't, I don't totally get this, but God does not, when we become a Christian, he doesn't take away our sin nature. Could he? I, I don't know, but, but I know that he doesn't. And so it no longer becomes, okay, well, I'm no longer even going to be tempted by this thing. I'm no longer even going to, you know, think about doing this. Instead, it becomes, I know that I have the freedom to choose what's right. And so becoming a Christian does not make the stuff that used to, you know, trip you up in life any less tempting. It just takes its power away in light of the power that God gives us when he sends his spirit to live inside of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for a lot of people out there that might think just going to church is all you need, church is like a good band-aid for your sin nature, while church is a great thing to engage in, how would you tell them to further their spiritual journey? Well, first of all, I'd ask them how that's working out for them. (laughs) Because the fact is, if you and I were going to overcome our sin nature on our own, we would have done it by now. We, we, yeah. we would have, um, that going to church is a, is a huge part of that, right? It's, you know, engaging in worship and it's being surrounded by other believers and it's hearing great teaching. Um, but, uh, one of, one of the lines that I, that I really like when it comes to, you know, community is that rows don't know that, that when you sit in <laughs> rows, pe- the people there don't actually know you. They're not actually doing life with you and they're not actually going to be there for you when you're making the decisions, you know, mm. that you ultimately need to make. We talk about our sin nature and we assume, right, the things that are natural are good, right? That's not actually the case. Look at natural disasters, you know, hurricanes, floods, right? We, we, we talk about them as being natural, but we know that they're not good. Or another example, again, just my own, my own observation, most of what you can buy at Whole Foods. It's natural, <laughs> But that doesn't mean it's good. I, I just, that's my own. You know. And you know what? Actually, in, in full disclosure, I shouldn't i shouldn't make that joke because I've never been there. So I can't really say one way or another. You've never oh. been to Whole Foods? I've never been to Whole Foods. Wow. Keep going. Does that surprise you? Just wow. See, my hope, my hope is that um, as different things, you know, become healthy or unhealthy, we're told, oh, butter's really bad, then butter's really good. If trans fats ever become healthy again, or ever, I don't know if they were ever considered healthy, <laughs> I'm going to be, and trans fats and hydrogenated oils, I'm going to be set for life. That's, uh... Yeah, I think uh, a lot of this kind of false gospel mentality of, like Hillary said, go to church, therefore your sins are forgiven, covered, whatever that is. I think a lot of that has come from this westernized cultural Christianity. Um, And I know personally I've experienced in discipling um, different people and women that that mentality is so prevalent and so common. Um, What would be your advice in discipling someone who maybe doesn't even understand the fundamental aspects of the gospel in this area. Oh man. Oh man. Um, well, my, my first thing for them would be to keep learning this, 
keep finding out about this. You know, anyone who were to listen to the podcast, whether it's from Nord Park or really any of our locations, you know, you'll if you if you were to listen to it on this passage, you probably wouldn't walk away with this full and complete understanding of everything that Paul says in this chapter, just because there's so much here. But this is one of these things, the idea of your sin nature, the idea of what God has done for you through Christ, of how, how you've been saved, how you can be transformed, and how to live in this tension of knowing that we are saved, knowing that we have the Spirit, and yet not finding ourselves fully transformed into what we ultimately want to be. Yeah. This is so key for every follower of Jesus. And so, I, I mean, I, I would just say live in this, right? Keep reading this passage. Keep learning about this topic. Keep asking God to show you what it means to live as a transformed believer. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting is that this guy, Paul, you think about Paul, we, we talk about him as the Apostle Paul, someone the Apostle being someone who was sent on a mission by Jesus. And we talk about him, um, you know, we talk about him as Saint Paul. And yet this same Paul, the same guy is saying here in present tense, I don't do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing, that this is his battle. Like, as he's writing this, he's still struggling with these things. And so for someone who's who's in that place of not totally understanding the gospel here, just know that, like, even Paul, as he's writing this stuff, he's still dealing with this. This is still very raw for him. And yet, what is he doing? He's sharing his struggle with a community of people. He's telling yeah. them, look, guys, this isn't something that I used to do before. And then I discovered three steps to overcoming my sin or these, you know, five habits that totally, like, rule this out of my life, that he's just opening up his heart. And he's saying, look, guys, this is who I am today. And no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, chances are this is where you're at today. And the only way that we can continue to be transformed by the Holy Spirit is to create opportunities for him to speak into our lives, again, through the Bible, through our time at church, but also through just being in community with each other and bringing each other into our lives like Paul was willing to do here. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, you talked about, you know, doing this practical um, seeking of the Lord through community. What does that look like in your small group week by week? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm in I'm in a group. We've got there's about six of us in a group, uh, three men and three women. Um, and one of the things that we we do pretty much every week is we kind of break up men and women and just kind of share about okay, what is it that we're you know either learning about or struggling with or need prayer for. And those those times are only going to be as effective as we are willing to be honest. You know, I think. For sure. A lot of the time we're willing to talk about, you know, oh, you know, this struggle at work or, you know, this person that I'm having this problem with. But then there's some like deeper stuff that we don't really want to get into. If we're not going to bring it into the light, we're never going to actually like find anything for it. We're never going to find any kind of transformation there. And so what we found just, you know, as as guys is that the more honest we're willing to be, the more the more transformation we all experience together as we're able to help speak truth into each other's lives and just see things from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah. <clears throat> I think one of the interesting things about this passage is the way it talks about, uh, especially verses 7 through 12, um, that it talks about sin, right? Sin seizing an opportunity in verse 11. Through the commandment, it deceived me, and through it killed me. That kind of getting at what sin's strategy is, is, is to bring about deception. And the specific commandment that he mentions is that of coveting. And in coveting, we're basically... Um, you know, that's like you thinking about breaking the rules, running with scissors or crossing the boundary at Yellowstone. And, uh, and it's like in coveting, what we're doing is we're thinking that 
disobedience is actually going to be more satisfying, that it'll bring more joy, it'll have more life. Uh, and we're believing that disobedience is more satisfying than obedience. And, and that's, that's essentially the deception that sin tricks us with, that it uses to lead us into that. And um, just you talking about that, being in a small group where we can talk openly and honestly about that, I think that it's it's a whole lot easier to be deceived in isolation than it is in community. Well, and that's that's exactly right, Trevor. If you if you think about all of your bad decisions, all the ones you wish you could take back, whether it was the financial decision, the relational decision, the time you moved in with that person, the time you went on another date with that person, the time that you trusted the person that you shouldn't have, all of those decisions, they all felt right at the time. And the reason we know that is because if they didn't, we wouldn't have made them. And so when we're making these big key decisions on our own, it just, it totally creates opportunities to make them wrong, to make them poorly, and to do things that are going to rob us of our future and rob other people of their future as well. And just mm -hmm. a lot of these decisions that we think we can make on our own, we mm -hmm. shouldn't. Mm. Yeah. So I got to ask you, no, just knowing that this passage is a little bit tricky um, when you get down underneath it, like what is Paul actually talking about here? Is he talking about himself before he became a follower of Christ, as a follower of Christ, is he representing Israel um, kind of throughout their history? As you were going through your study and prep, kind of how did you get to where you landed? What, what do you think? <laughs> um, man, I mean, so so I I read this just as it's written, right? That he talks about the good I want to do, I don't do. The, mm -hmm. the evil I don't want to do, I do. I mm -hmm. don't see him as like representing someone. I mean, maybe maybe he is. Maybe it's like one of these movies where like, you know, you watch and you're like, oh, now I totally get it. But like, I don't really have those kind of insights, right? I still don't know what Inception was about um, <laughs> most most of these big movies, right? People are like, oh, it was so like it totally blew my mind, and I'm like, I, I just I just ate popcorn. I didn't. <laughs> so anyway, I read this and I'm thinking, this is Paul today. I think that as Paul was writing mm -hmm. this, he was still dealing with this stuff. Again, he doesn't talk about it in past tense of I used to be this way, but now I'm this way. Mm -hmm. um, he talks about it as like this is the struggle that I'm facing right now. Now at the same yeah. time, he's not making excuses, right? He's not saying, oh, well, this is just the way that I am. This is just, mm -hmm. you know, who I happen to be. But he's being honest about where he's at. I think in part as a means of just, you know, getting it out there so that he can relate to these people, these these folks in, in Rome who are reading his letter so they can know that like, hey, this struggle is real for, for all of us, but we don't have to stay this way. We don't have to make these, you know, these, yeah. these bad decisions that God has given us a means by which we can make the right choice instead of the wrong choice, even though we're naturally drawn towards the wrong choice. Yeah. Trevor, you preached this weekend too. What did you decide? Yeah. Uh, completely. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if he says anything different here, guys, just go with what he says, because um, I mean, he's, he's a pastor. I'm an IT guy. He's on the teaching team. I, yeah, go, we're going to go with whatever. No, we landed in the same place. Yeah. I, like you said, he uses the present tense. And I think, I think that's a strong indicator. And then just the flow of the letter was kind of what convinced me that he uses a lot of the same language around law and sin back in chapter three. But at that point, he's trying to argue that everyone is basically in need of the gospel. Everyone is under uh, under sin. 
And so then he makes that point, and then he introduces the gospel, and specifically justification, that aspect of the gospel in chapters, uh, the end of three and then four. And then in chapters five through eight, he's kind of unfolding the rest of the gospel as it has an implication in different pieces of our lives, how we're dead to sin and alive to God and all these different pieces. And I think this here is basically him saying, even though we have a clean bill of health before God, we still we still continue to struggle with sin. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I feel it like, the flow of the letter is what helps me kind of understand it in that way, landing in that place. Yeah. Well, I think, mm-hmm. I think too, one of the things that, you know, we can take mm-hmm. away, not just from this passage, but from some of Paul's other letters, again, where he really talks about this idea of not making any provision for our sin nature, um, that like what, what he wants us to, to get from that is, yes, this thing is real, right? This tendency to choose the bad thing over the good thing, the wrong thing over the right thing. Yes, it's real, but it doesn't have to control our lives. And the way that we can separate ourselves from it is that as you lean on the spirit, as you're in community with other Christians, who are drawing out the best in you, as soon as you feel like you've heard God's voice about a decision you're about to make or that you have made, you've got to listen to it. I think that we have this idea that that it's okay for us to just like, okay, well, I'm going to find out, you know, here's here's what I want to do. And then I'm going to find out, okay, what does God actually want me to do? And then I'll kind of, you know, decide which one, you know, to end up doing. That the key to not giving into your sin nature is that as soon as you hear that voice from God, and we all, we all know in different ways what that can feel like, that you have to act on it. It. And sometimes it's it can take some significant actions. Sometimes it's a matter of, hey, it's time to break up or it's time to move out or it's time to cancel the trip. We think, oh, I already I put down the deposit. So what? Right. So what? Oh, I've already wasted this many years. Exactly. Why wouldn't you cut your losses and move to something, move to taking the steps to where, to get where you actually want to go? Mm-hmm. If you're you know trying to get from Chicago to Milwaukee and you see a sign for St. Louis, just turn around, right? There's, there's no. It, you can continue heading towards That's St. Good. Louis, but you're never going to actually get to Milwaukee. And so I think we tend to make these excuses or have these hesitations of, oh, well, I can't, or I don't know what I do. As soon as you hear that voice, listen to it. I just, I can't, yeah, I can't so emphasize good. that enough. That is good. That's piping hot. Mm. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> Steve, it's been great having you with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. Thanks for thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Steve. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us this week for the Pastor's Cut. We hope you'll join us again next week as we move into Romans chapter 8. 